Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. So why don't you put your hands together. We're going to start with Graham. Come and tell us, Graham, uh, a couple of stories, how you've shared your faith. I mean, just a couple of quick ones. Um, it, it's interesting that it's only happened this week after what you said last week, so, or Rachel said last week. So um, just at work, uh, I have a, um, a good conversation with, a, uh, with my boss, and uh, we've got a guy at work who's always, always sick, always wounded, always sick, always have a time off, so much so they call him Day Off Dave. And that's his testimony. And I was talking to the boss very quickly, and um, I said to him, I said, it's like this guy's cursed. And it's funny how God actually goes before you sometimes and already sets things up and you just don't know. And I said, it's like he's cursed. And he goes, yeah, yeah, he is. And I said, no, no. I said, it's like he's really cursed. And he goes, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. And I'm thinking, he doesn't get this. And I said, no, I think he's like he's really cursed. And he goes, I know. He said, I, I, I want to, he said, I need to tell you what happened to me about being cursed. And I went, what? He's not a Christian. He doesn't, doesn't understand anything. And at the end of it, he goes, you know what? I want to have some time, just me and you. Just me and you, I want to sit down and I want to tell you what happened to me. He's not a Christian, but you know what? God opens the door. If you just say one word, just sometimes open the door. It's amazing what God will do. Um, just the other one very quickly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's only one. Um, it, just in the, in yesterday in the lunch, or a couple of days ago in the lunchroom as well, another guy, I've been working with him for ages, testifying. He's kind of close, and we're talking about the kingdom of God, all sorts of really deep stuff, you know, three-dimensional, five-dimensional stuff. And finally he says, he says, yeah, yeah, I believe in God, I believe all that. But when it comes to the Bible, he says, you know what, whenever man gets involved, there's always just, you know, there's always distorted, there's always problems. And I, part of me is going, you know what, he's right. How can you argue against that sometimes, you know? But I know the Bible is true, but what he's saying is also true. And so I say this to say that if you're in that spot, just pray. He's talking to me and I'm going, dear God, what do I say to him? And as he's talking to me, all of a sudden God drops a scripture into my heart. And as he drops the scripture in my heart, I said, listen, John, it's like this. You're working on a piece of machinery, very, very complicated. You don't know how to work it. I said, my boss rings. He talks to me as an illustration. I go away and write it all down. I do this, do that, cross this, do that. And I come back and I give it to you. You follow the exact instructions and it works perfectly. Did I distort it? I said, how did that work? And I said, this is what the Bible says. God says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I tell the end from the beginning, things of ancient days as, as if they have not happened yet. And I said, that's called prophecy. So we can tell that God's real and his word is true and it hasn't been distorted because the things he said thousands of years ago have come to pass. And he looked at me and went, wow, I didn't know what to say after that. So can I tell you that wherever you are, whatever situation in, sometimes if you're in over your head, just pray. God, give me something to say, and he will be faithful. Amen. I don't know if I can keep it down to one minute. Um, So after the message last Sunday, I was really praying about, you know, who in my life can I speak to? Because I had this thought of, I actually don't, like, I've tried to speak to other people about my faith, and I wasn't sure who I could speak to about it. And I was like, what can I change? Or like, and anyway, so... 
I was praying a lot and something I pray for often is the salvation of my family and they're back in Victoria. So anyway, it's funny because right before the message, I was just like randomly decided to send a video to my brother of my corny Jesus shirt that said, Jesus is life on the back. And he was like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. But after the message on Sunday... I was like, maybe that's an opening. But anyway, so we're talking about, you know, just life. And I'm talking about how much I love worship. And he's like, you'll be getting into Jesus rap next. And after the message on Sunday, I was like, ooh, maybe I could uh, throw something out there. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love Jesus rap. And then I started talking about youth group and how awesome things are. And I actually sent him some songs. Something that I've struggled with is boldness quite often. And in the past, I wouldn't have sent him any songs and I wouldn't have checked in to see if he actually listened to them. How much time do I have? Oh. (laughs) And anyway, so he actually listens to them and he said, oh yeah, I can get into this. And I actually found out last night that we have like a mutual singer that we both like and he's actually a Christian and I was shook. I was like, oh my gosh. And so now we're going down the path of I'm showing him these Christian music and things like that. And I'm just so grateful because something that I'm so passionate about it has been the segue into hopefully being able to share the gospel with him. And that's it. Yeah, my testimony started around about 12, 12 days ago. Uh, my wife Sue and me, we are in the process of renovating a, a, a house for our next uh, childcare. And she got a phone call from uh, a couple. They are living in the car. And uh, she said, come on, we give them three, four months to live there until they find something. He is depressed, uh, had a lot of problems. And she said, yeah, you can move in, but let uh, Albert is coming the next two days and doing small paint jobs. Went in there, knocked on the door, went in. And uh, this guy, uh, taller than me, yeah, not really inviting. And, <laughs> and I was saying, oh, Lord. And I started painting immediately. And he came, looked at me and said, I don't want to rob you, your joy, I will leave now. And I said, no, look, joy is a choice. You can every day choose joy. And uh, yeah, so he was waiting, I finished. And uh, he said, Sue is a Christian. I said, as am I, I'm a, I'm a Christian too. And then step out of the boat, boatless. <laughs> I said, can I pray for you? And he looked at me and he said, no, nah, won't hurt. So I prayed for him. I prayed for him. Two days later, he called and said, do you have jumper leads? I said, yes, I have. Uh, I need your help. I came over, started his car, and he said, oh, uh, I'm blessed now. Now I said, you have to see it in a different point. Sometimes you have to be a blessing to bless others. And uh, out of his depression, I invited him to help me two, three hours working together around the house. We did. And guess what? Last Wednesday, his wife called my wife and said, look, wow, he's out and asking for laboring work and gets, gets out of the house. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Amazing, Albert. Go, Penny. Okay, so I wasn't in the service last week. I was out with the kids with Kylie. And first I heard was Darren came in um, after the um, kids' church and he was like, wow, like more than half the church responded last week. And I was just asking around what was happening because it was just really exciting and I heard the buzz. Anyway, I heard of the challenge and I thought, well, okay, I want to be part of that. 
as well. So through the week, I was just waiting for God to give me um, that prompting about, um, you know, this is where I want you to take that opportunity. And so um, days went by. Anyway, I was down at um, walking into Erskine shops and there was a man busking there and um, just smiled and walked through. And then, of course, the prompting came after that. And God um, just spoke to me, put a scripture on my heart, um, the story of um, where there was a man begging and Peter and John um, were going to the temple and they said to him, we don't have money to give you, but what we have, um, you know, it's the spirit of God. And they prayed for him and he was healed. Anyway, I shared the story with this man because I I walked back out and, um, you know, had to be obedient because it was growing in my heart, that prompting. Um, And I shared it with him. And of course, you feel a bit strange walking up to a stranger and um, I just said, there's this story in the Bible and can I share it with you? And whatever and I didn't have more than that and of course I'm thinking Lord what do you really want me to say to this man but just as I was sharing I just had I had love for this man and I just said to him with all the millions of people on the planet the billions of people God wants you to know that he sees you and that he loves you and just in that story I said what they had to give him was better than money and he said I know because he knew that God you know in that moment God's presence was real and he um was like I feel good now like he really had this smile on his face and it was very powerful and um, it's another seed planted so praise God. So good come on can we thank all, all, the, all those people see we have structure but we have grace as well did you see how <laughs> did you see how that worked um, so good I, I, I want to share um, uh, two more that got uh, that got sent to us so Joe Thompson who's here today uh, Joe jo sent this in she said I've written a letter to an old friend who's not a Christian, sharing my faith. She's grieving through the passing of her husband. I included the following scripture. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amazing. How good is that? You know what? Through letter writing, through uh, sharing face-to-face, there's, there's multiple ways that we can go into our world and make a difference. One, one more, and then I'll actually preach, and I've shortened the message, so don't stress. It's okay. All right, this is from, uh, this is from Darren Warby, who's um, actually working away at the moment in Halls Creek, and he said, I wanted to share a moment. Uh, last week in the hospital at Peel, he said he was asked to do a set of observations, viral signs, on a young man in his late 20s who was severely depressed and stressed and had suicidal thoughts. He said, when I saw him, I knew that I had to talk with him. As it turned out, he was ex-military and was suffering from PTSD for many years. I was able to reassure him that I also suffered with PTSD and through the support of friends and family and prayers, I was able to overcome it and now I'm completely, um, completely healed from it. After speaking with him, I could see um, some hope in his eyes and his expression changed, wanting to know more. I knew all along that this meeting was not purely by chance, but a moment that God could use me to uh, bring hope to a person in pain. How amazing is that? Come on, can we thank God for all that he's doing in our lives? And... Uh, we really feel to continue the roll on as well. So next week, if you have a story, uh, like I, I think I said last time, it doesn't have to be like, um, you know, I said this word uh, to my boss, I got saved, then he gave me a pay rise, and I got a promotion, and I got two weeks extra annual leave. Like, it doesn't have to be like, you know, just completely like, whoa. It can just be as simple as, you know, sharing your faith, inviting someone, do, doing something that sends us to 
those that don't know Christ, because that is what God has called us to. And so uh, I want to encourage you with that. Uh, Today, I want to begin with a question in our our message on who. Uh, um, No, that's the question about who. Our message on go. And the question is this, is who brought you here this morning? How do you find yourself here. I'm not talking about who drove or whether you walked or rode a bike or did an e-scooter or got an Uber or whether your L played a teenager drove you here so that really improves your prayer life or like whatever, whatever it was. I'm not saying how did you physically get here, but who, who impacted your life that you find yourself right here this morning? Uh, maybe this is your first time and someone invited you and they said, hey, after the service, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you a free coffee. And you're like, hey, I'm there. Guess what? All the coffees for new people are free. So just, I hate to burst the bubbles how generous they sounded, but, but you know, you're here. So that's great. Um, maybe, maybe you're here and uh, it hasn't been forever. It's been a few years now. And you can still clearly remember maybe that person at, at work that was an influence on you, that you saw their life and there was something different about their life. There was something different about them that, that, that made you ask the question. And, and, and it was that that started a journey to Christ for you. Maybe, maybe you're here and like me, your, your family had a lot to do with you being here. Maybe you're a teenager right now and you're like, yeah, my family, my parents made me come to church this morning. To that, I say, well done, great parenting. This is what we do in our house. We come to church on Sunday. But whatever your background is like, I can pretty much guarantee that there's at least one, if not multiple who's or multiple people that have influenced your life where you find yourself right here. And as I mentioned before, for me, um, particularly I was family. My mum was a big one, faithful, consistent, pretty much in church every week, taking her three sons along. But, but also for me, there was... Um, uh, there, there, there was a youth leader, a guy by the name of Aaron, who was the first one really outside of my family that took an interest and invested into my life. He was about six or seven years older than me. And so, you know, when you're 16 and they're 22, they're just automatically cool. Like they can drive to begin with, like without their parents. So it's like automatic, automatically cool. And so he, he was just someone who, you know, invested into me. Now, it wasn't always the most... Uh, you know, mature relationship. We did some dumb things as well. I, I remember one night staying at his house. We thought it'd be really funny to, um, to leave this uh, funny message on his answering machine. Uh, for all the under 21s here, so an answering machine is something that you used to ring from a phone that had a cord attached to it. Yeah, you couldn't just walk around. And then uh, you'd, you'd leave a message after the beep. And then the most revolutionary thing would happen when you, when you left the message after the beep saying, call me back, you know what they would do? They'd call you back. Whoa! <laughs> I know, just, just, just crazy for these days. But anyway, one night uh, we are being dumb and so we decided to, it's so random and bad, we decided to change the answering machine to a recorded message of me playing bongo drums in the background. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> And him saying, I don't even know where we got this from. If you're hearing this message, you're hearing this because I'm dead. Don't worry about leaving, don't worry about leaving a, a message after the tone. Anyway, problem was that his mum was the first one to call the next morning. And let's just say that did not go well. But anyway, besides, all, besides doing stupid things like that, giving his mum palpitations, um, he also invested into my life. He sowed, uh, he encouraged me. He taught me about faith, that there was something about his life 
that impacted mine. And so we're, we're about to read the final words of Jesus to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. So, so Jesus has been born. He's lived in obscurity for close to 30 years. He's sacrificed his life on the cross. He's invested himself into, into 12 others. One of them sort of didn't quite make it, but, you know, Jesus, Jesus did his best, right? And then he's about to ascend to heaven, and he leaves these as like his final instructions to his disciples. This is Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. It says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In, in, in this series titled Go, today we want to speak about these final words of Jesus to his followers, which is simply this, go and make disciples. Uh, a disciple can be defined as a follower and, a, and an apprentice, a student. We, we are called first and foremost to be disciples, that is to be followers, to be students, to be apprentices of Jesus. When, when we commit our lives to Christ, it's not a one-time decision, but it's a commitment to follow His ways and to follow His words and, and, and to follow His thoughts. You see, deciding to follow Jesus is not like some you know, super good life hack or life improvement plan. In fact, Jesus doesn't come to give you a life upgrade. He actually comes to fundamentally change your whole entire life. He, he comes to open your eyes to what true life is. Jesus said it like this in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, a disciple of Jesus is not someone who just believes in God, even though that's important, sort of foundational, really, to the whole thing. A disciple is not just someone who thinks that the teachings of Jesus are moral and right, even though that is also true, because they are moral and right. A disciple is not someone who is just a church attender, even though that's important. And I would argue, biblically, it's hard to follow Christ without being planted in a local church that encourages us and spurs us on. But a disciple is more than that. It's someone who stays close to Jesus, is continually being transformed day to day to become more and more like Christ. We, we, we have a word uh, for our year as a church over 2023, and it's got a scripture with it. The word's transformed, and it's from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, when, when, when we follow Christ, we make mistakes. I know, I've, I've met all of you and I've met myself. We all, right, we, all make, we all make mistakes. So sometimes it's like two steps forward. Another day it's like 10 steps back. We, we, we understand that. It's not like this, that, that we need to attain this sort of like perfectionism or anything like that. But across the overarching arc of our life, are we becoming more and more like Jesus? That, that's, that's what a disciple does. Wherever we are on that journey, whether we're right at the start, whether you're here and maybe you are that friend that came you're like, ah, oh, I've never really been to church before. Um, so I just thought I'd, you know, check it out. Didn't want to offend my friends. So I said yes, and I'd be here. But wherever you are on that, I, I want to encourage you that God's plan for your life is that you would be disciple, that is, you would be his follower, and that you would become more and more like him each and every day. 
And as I said, the graph is not like this. The graph is like, you know, this, and then there's bad days and there's great days. It's all over the place. But is that overarching, you know, arc of our lives heading towards Jesus Christ? You see, discipleship is simply this. It's relationship. First and foremost, it's relationship with Jesus, but also it's relationship with others. And so as we think about this whole understanding and idea about going and making disciples, um, I want to ask you two questions today. Uh, The first one is this, is who are you going with? Who are you going with? You see, who is it in your life that encourages, challenges, and models a life that draws you closer and closer to Jesus? Who is it for you? I know we started with this as a question of who influenced you to, for you to be here today. And can I speak to those that maybe have been a disciple of Jesus for many years? And you can you know, talk about the person maybe that first brought you to faith and the person that built or you know, probably multiple people that helped to bring you know, those foundations of faith to your life so that your life would be transformed and you would believe Christ and what he says about you. But can I just push your, little, your buttons a little bit today and ask you, who is that for you today? In August 2023... Who, who is that for you today? Who are the people that spur you on, that encourage you? Who, who do you follow to say, hey, I, I want to be more and more like Christ because this person or these people, or this group of people are an example to me to follow and to become more and more like Christ. Who are you going with? Like, like I said, it doesn't have to be one singular person. It usually isn't. It's normally multiple. But who do you position yourself around that encourages you in your walk with Jesus? The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, I know this is very, it's very basic and very simple. This line also rhymes, so it must be good. Um, but you can't stir up if you don't show up. Quite simple. I, I know I'm literally, you're here. I know I'm literally preaching to the converted, but, but God has called us together as a church. God has called us together. There's, there's a, a bunch of metaphors that the Bible uses for the church. He's called us together as a family. That's one of the metaphors. He's called us together as a body. It's another picture that the, that the word uses to gather together both on Sundays and in smaller groups like our life groups. When we meet together, we stir one another up. You, you see that your greatest growth point will probably be people. There'll probably be people. Think about how you've grown and how you've developed. It's probably to do with people or a person. They will encourage you. They'll pray for you. They, 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 they will love you. They, they will give you a go at things. They, they, they will walk with you when you're going through tough, tough times. They, they, they will do all those things. But also, they're probably going to annoy you. They're probably going to offend you. In fact, if you're here and you haven't had someone in this church annoy you, offend you, let you down, make you look insecure, or challenge you, you're either new or newish, so don't worry, it's coming. It's coming, I, I, I promise you. Or, or you've stayed at surface level and can I encourage you, it's time to step in a little bit deeper 
in the community. It's time to step in. You're like, you are not selling this well. <laughs> Come and join our church. We'll annoy you, tick you off, and, um, you know, and, and offend you. No, no, why, why, why am I saying that? Because there's something about getting into community when we, we, we get stirred up. Yes, we get stirred up in encouragement. Yes, we get stirred up to, uh, you know, to pray for others and, and, and to be that change in, 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 our, in our workplace. But too often in life, we spend time with people that are just like us or they're really similar, or or people that we just like. But the great joy and wonder of the church is that we aren't unified by preferences. We aren't unified by hobbies or socioeconomic background or culture, but we're unified together through Christ. We're unified together. That's why there's all different backgrounds here. That's why there's all different life stories here. Why? Because we're unified with Christ. He is the common thread throughout. And so there's always going to be conflict, but God can use that. Now, that doesn't always mean that it's just, you know, annoyance. But sometimes in community and relationship, God uses other people to reveal what's actually on the inside of our hearts. I've found that often, so often. The Holy Spirit puts his finger on areas of our lives. And if we would humble ourselves to God, we, we need to ask, okay, God, why does that annoy me so much? God, what, what, what are you wanting to do in my heart, in my life? Well, that, that, that happened and it made me feel insecure or made me this, this or that or whatever. God, what are you trying to do in my life? So who are you going with? Who are you being intentional with? You know, if you're planning a journey anywhere, you never accidentally just turn up. You plan where you're going. You put it into Google Maps. Never Apple Maps because they're terrible. Always Google Maps or whatever Android people you probably Google, don't they? Anyway, but we won't go, we won't go there, right? You, always, you plan where you're going. You're intentional about it. You catch the right train. You ask for a lift. You walk, you ride, you run. There's intentionality so that you know where you're going. Uh, I remember when I first got my pea plates, this sounds really, really lame. And the more that I've thought about it, the lamer it sounds. But I'll tell you anyway. So I remember I was the, like the first in my friend group uh, to get pea plates. And we thought it would be really fun to get a hat and write on one piece of paper left and the other piece of paper right, put it in the hat, drive around. And whenever we got to um, an intersection, go left or right. We were the cool kids at school. You can tell, <laughs> obviously, right? And so after about 20 minutes of just circling around, we're like, this idea is dumb, and it's totally not working. But, but can I tell you, God has not called us to be like that with our following. He's not called us to be like that in that journey of discipleship. He has called us to be intentional. So number first question, who are you going with? Second question is this, who's going with you? So not only do we need to go with someone or a people, but the call of Christ is to go and make disciples. That's what we read at the start. So who are you intentionally taking with you on that journey with Jesus? Maybe those people haven't even made a decision for Christ yet. But you know, hey, I'm investing into them. I'm investing in relationship. Uh, It could be a friend. It could be a family member. It could be a, a work colleague. But I always find that it starts with two things. It starts with relationship, and it starts with prayer. Relationship and prayer. If you don't know where to start, relationship and prayer. Relationship with prayer. What, 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 do, I mean, what do I mean by that? Well, we'll commit to investing some time into them. Go out of your way to invite them for dinner or go to the movies or do, do something that builds quality time 
But can I also encourage you to pray? That doesn't mean you have to pray like with them when, when, when you're right there. You may do that as well. But it's, you know what, in my personal time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for Bob. God, I thank you for Bob. Uh, if, he, if, he's, if, he's not, if he's not following Christ, God, uh, I pray for Bob. I, I see him coming to church. I see him making a decision to follow you. Maybe, maybe it's someone you're encouraging on the discipleship journey, you know a little bit about, about their life. God, I thank you for Mildred. I don't know where Mildred came from, but anyway, maybe it's prophetic. Maybe Mildred will turn up next week. But, you know, I thank you for Mildred. God, I see her growing in her faith with you, God. And, and you know, we can all pray. We can all invest time into someone. You know, we hear go and make disciples, and sometimes we think, whoa, there's so much pressure. I'm not skilled enough. I'm not experienced enough. Haven't even read the Bible cover to cover. But I love what uh, Steve Murrell, the pastor of a church in the Philippines called Every Nation, what he says. He says, you don't need to know everything. All you need to know is the next step ahead. You don't need to know everything to make a disciple, but what's the next thing? What's the next thing, next thing that God has for them? You know, and I believe for many of us here, even the next step on our own discipleship journey is to take someone with us. Yeah, maybe there's some people here and you've been like, okay, God, I want to I wanna grow in you. What have you got next for me? I feel like I've hit this plateau in my relationship with you. God, what, what's, what's going on? Nothing's, nothing's going on around me. Can I humbly propose to you that maybe what God is calling you to is to invest into someone else? That maybe as you do that, that completely shifts and changes your perspective. If, you can, um, if you've been following Jesus for a while, there's, there's something refreshing about returning to that first, about, uh, about coming in and saying, you know what, I'm going to take someone else on the journey. You, you know why? It's a little bit like this. Um, she'll hate me for saying this, but too bad. But our eldest daughter's currently on her L plates and doing really well, right? There's been some moments, of course, but do you know what's been the other thing that's been affected by her learning to drive? My driving. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, now I probably should indicate correctly off roundabouts. Oh, okay, how do you go round a roundabout and not get the indicator to turn off at the right spot? Oh, there's a speed limit. I should keep under it so that when I tell her to keep under it, she's doing, she's doing the same thing, you know. Yes, I do have control issues. Why is the handle above the window something that I think will make a, will make a, make a difference when it does practically nothing right? Why am I learning all these things and why am I being reminded of all these things? things, because I'm taking someone else on the journey. Can I tell you, it's the same with your relationship with Christ. As you take someone else on the journey with you, it deepens your foundation. It stirs up your passion. It does, it does something in your life as well, because you're like, hey, I, I bet, you know what? I'm telling this person to read my Bible. I probably should do it myself. Oh, we're discovering this about God. I need to discover that as well. Can I encourage you, if you've been following Jesus for a while, like I said, there's something refreshing about returning to foundations. In the book of Revelation, uh, John, who wrote the book, has this prophetic vision, and he gives this warning to uh, seven churches, but particularly this church in a place called Ephesus. It's filled with metaphor and pictures, but I'll read this to you, Revelation 2, 1 to 7. Uh, he writes this, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Verse 2, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. And, you, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. 
but you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found to be false, right? If you're the church at Ephesus, you're like, hey, this word's going well. He's, he's encouraging it. Listen to all that stuff that we've done well. This is, this is awesome. Verse three, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. Awesome, great word. Come on, pastor, bring more of that word. That's, that's great, yes, encourage us, yes. Well, there, we're doing well. Verse four, though, here's a change. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You see, this church at Ephesus was commended on not growing weary. They are commended on having good doctrine. It says there, you know, false prophets, apostles that have come in, you'd be like, no, no, this is, this is the gospel, this is what we believe. That's not, that's not the right thing. They, they've done all those things. But then he says, I have this against you that you've lost your first love. I always find for me a great way to remember the love I had at first is to take someone else on the journey. There's something, something about that that stirs up our faith, that, 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 that reminds us. In fact, I'm going to boldly say this. If you've been following Jesus for a while, and if you never take someone else on a discipleship journey, your personal growth will always be stunted. Always. I don't say that to bring condemnation. I don't say that to bring guilt or to shame. I say it because that is the call of God over every believer's life. It's not, it's, it's not just for those that are in leadership. It's not just for those who hold a responsibility, but God has called us all to go and to make disciples. It's not just for some with a particular gift set. He's called us all to, but guess what? Guess what the power of church is, is that we get to do it together. It's the power of church community. It's the power of gathering together on Sundays, midweek, in homes, in cafes, around dinner tables, at parks, at the beach. We get to do this together. And as a church, we're going to continue to create those environments where this can occur. That's why life groups are so important. If you're not in a life group, I encourage you to be intentional. Go and see our life group. Well, get a part of a group that can, that can get around you and encourage you. Jump in, make a start, commit to a small group of people, but also take someone with you. Hey, I'm going to this life group. You're, you're, you're newish at church, you're new at church. Come with me to this. Hey, I'm joining the host team. Come and serve with me. Take someone else on the journey as well. I'll read it again. Matthew 28, maybe as a musician's uh, can come. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. We read it to start with. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you know the most powerful part of that verse, maybe the most overlooked as well, is where it says, because let's not forget, these are Jesus' words to his disciples, where he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, as we think about who we are going with, okay, who, who am I surrounding myself with? Who's gonna encourage me? Who's gonna spur me on? Who's gonna encourage me in my walk with Christ to become more and more like Jesus? As we think about and pursue that, can I tell you, Jesus is with you. It's what the Bible says. It's what Jesus said to his disciples, I'm with you always. You know, as you think about, okay, God, I've heard this, uh, 
feel a little bit of conviction of the Spirit to start to pour my life out into, into someone, to take someone else along this journey. Can I tell you, as, as you think about that and as you do that and maybe a bit of fear and trembling and insecurity and I don't have it all together and I don't know, I couldn't do that. Isn't that the pastor's job? What do you do for five days a week? You know, like, you know, like what's, what, as we think about all those things, can I encourage you that Jesus is with you. He's with you. He's with you. That's what, that's what the Bible says. And maybe, just maybe there's some people here you've been let down in this whole discipleship space. Maybe people left you walked out on you, said one thing but lived a different way. Can I encourage you, Jesus never has. Jesus never has. Maybe you invested your life into someone and they walked away. They walked away from Christ. Maybe they walked away from relationship, relationship with you. Can I encourage you, in that hurt, in that pain, Jesus is with you. He's with you to say, hey, come on, I can heal that. Let's bind that up together. Let's, let's go again. Let's, let's, let's build a life that pours into others and encourages people in their walk with Christ. You know, ultimately, we do have work to do, but not only do we do it together as a church, as a family, as a body, but we do it together with Jesus Christ himself. We do it together with Jesus. And so this morning, as we come to a close, I'd love every head bowed, every eye closed. Because maybe you're here and maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you've had one previous or maybe you were brought up going to church as a child or whatever it is to you, but you haven't made that decision to say yes to Jesus for yourself. Then in a moment, we're going to say a prayer and we would uh, love to involve you in that prayer. And we'd, we, we, we'd love to, to pray with you and to pray for you. And so if that's you, if you're like, you know what, I need to make a decision for Christ. Right now where you are, would you just lift up your hand? I'll see your hand. You can put it back down. Yeah, I see that hand at the back there. Yeah, I see that hand there as well. Is there someone else that wants to say yes to Jesus Christ? Wants to say yes.